take one. Hi everybody, this is Tim Anderson, the Appraiser's Advocate. Today we're going to talk about purchase and sale agreements. What I found as I chat with appraisers is there is a misunderstanding about what a purchase and sale agreement or a sales contract is when it comes to the appraiser. So one of the questions I've gotten is, how much weight am I, the appraiser, supposed to give to the purchase and sale agreement? It's there. I know what the parties are going to pay for the property. I have a copy of the contract. So is that the property's market value or is that merely the property's market price? And as we all know, there's a difference between price and value. So let's talk about this. As appraisers have sought counsel on the issue of purchase and sale contracts, purchase and sale agreements, and how much influence that agreement should have on the final value opinion, some appraisers have taken the attitude that the purchase and sale agreement itself is either a target to be met, and therefore the property more or less must appraise out at the purchase and sale agreement, or parties have taken the attitude that a purchase and sale agreement is just another point of data for the appraiser to analyze. And that is the stance that I take, that it's specifically nothing more than another point of data the appraiser needs to analyze. In other words, it should not influence the appraiser's value opinion. Some appraisers also feel the lender should not provide them with a purchase and sale contract. This way, that contract does not serve to color or cloud or otherwise bias a value opinion. Let's take a look at it from basically both sides. Appraisers analyze the purchase and sale contract in part to amass verified data to have detailed data to use in the analytics of future assignments. Purchase and sale agreements are also a great source of data relative to the subject, which in a future assignment might serve as a verified and personally inspected comp. And remember, we rarely, we rarely get to inspect comparables. Over time, there's been a great deal of research to indicate that well over 90% of appraisals come in at or above the purchase and sale contract. This suggests that appraisers are indeed letting that contract price function as a target the lender expects the appraiser to reach and then support. Quite frankly, we all know that's true. Then, appraisers have been accommodating lenders in this way for so long that lenders just now expect this, and appraisers are not going to disrupt this model for fear of losing business or running afoul of the state appraisal board. In other words, you don't come in at the contract price, and then somebody, the broker, the buyer, the seller, the lender, the AMC, somebody files a complaint with the state appraisal board. Therefore, the purchase and sale contract can function as a target lenders expect appraisers to reach, and both lenders and appraisers benefit from the relationship when the appraiser comes in at the contract price. You ask yourself, does USPAP have any guidance on this question? Yes, it does, and it's in Standard Rule 1-5A, which specifically requires the appraiser to analyze all agreements of sale current as of the effective date of the appraisers. Appraisers cannot avoid this ethical responsibility. However, while USPAP requires the appraiser to analyze a current purchase and sale agreement, there is nothing in the language of USPAP requiring the appraiser to set this price as a target. In line with this, there is nothing in USPAP indicating that the appraiser, after analyzing the purchase and sale agreement, should permit that knowledge to color, influence, or in any way bias the appraiser's development of a credible value opinion. 
Therefore, while USPAP requires the appraiser to be aware of the purchase and sale agreement and the data behind it, USPAP does not even hint at the appraiser assuming this price is a target the appraiser should hit. This is a mindset lenders have adopted. This is a mindset lenders have adopted and appraisers, frankly, have justified. It's further interesting to note that Standard Rule 1-5 is the fifth step in the overall appraisal process. Despite coming in this order in the appraisal process, since we ask for a copy of the purchase and sale agreement at the beginning of the appraisal process, not toward the end, the client sends it to us at the beginning, (laughs) assuming the client sends it at all, we therefore look at it out of the proper order. It is this step taken out of its proper order which serves to color the appraiser's value conclusion toward the purchase and sale agreement price. If we were to form our value opinion in the proper order, saving the analysis of the purchase and sale agreement until essentially the last step in the analytical process, then, instead of coloring the value opinion, if indeed it does, that step might merely shade it instead, if indeed it shades it at all. What about the symbiotic relationship between appraisers, lenders, and the purchase and sale agreement that we just talked about? That this relationship exists is beyond debate. However, if appraisers were to analyze the purchase and sale agreement in its proper order in the appraisal process, that step alone could remove from that process the stigma of the purchase and sale contract price as a target to hit. At that point, it becomes merely another data point to analyze. Obviously, the appraiser has to analyze the other comparables in the subject's comparable and competitive market areas. In manners such as this, it would be wise counsel for appraisers to let the entire market speak. Listen to the entire market, not merely one of its participants. In other words, let the purchase and sale agreement price exert the influence it should, which only the appraiser can decide, but no more. Let the market influence the appraiser, as it should, but no more. In this way, The professional appraiser seeks the big picture of the market's indication of value for a particular property, which is what market value is, and which the appraiser has the ethical commission and responsibility to seek. So what this really comes down to is the purchase and sale price is merely another data point. The appraiser has no ethical responsibility, no legal responsibility, no moral responsibility to conclude the purchase and sale price is indeed the property's market value. Now, let's face it, it might be. The two parties might have negotiated freely and openly, they're properly advised, etc., 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 and after proper analysis, you, the appraiser, the person charged to make that determination, may conclude that, yes, indeed, The purchase and sale price is the property's market value. But that's not because price and value are equal, as we talked about at the beginning of this podcast. It's because via your analysis, you determined that the market supported the purchase and sale agreement price, not that it was a target for you to hit. The market supports it, and that's the whole purpose of this podcast. If you don't meet the purchase and sale price... Can somebody get upset? Of course, somebody can get upset. We've already talked about the broker, the lender, the buyer, the seller, the plumber, for all we know. Any one of those people can file a complaint against you as the appraiser simply for not meeting the purchase and sale agreement price. Okay, that is going to trigger an investigation by the state without question. So your defense 
is a complete work file that shows that you analyzed all of the necessary information for credible assignment results, which is exactly what Standard Rule 1-4 says. If you can show the state investigator that you properly analyzed all of the data and the market indicated that the purchase and sale agreement price was just too high, then you're justified. You're really not going to be in any trouble at all, and chances are the state is going to drop the charge. Most states look at a complaint as just that. It's a complaint. The state has to get to the bottom of it. But just because somebody filed a complaint doesn't mean the complainant is correct or the complaint itself is justified. If it's not, the state's probably going to drop the charges. And in fact, nationwide, it's pretty clear that 50% of the time, the appraiser is exonerated. The charges are dropped. So as a result, this is not the worst thing appraisers have to worry about. A complaint may end up being not all that terribly serious. In fact, 50% of the time, they're not. The other 50% of the time, well, that's the point of another podcast. Anyway, I appreciate you listening. I appreciate the fact that you took time out of your busy day to be with me here today. I'm here to help you. Contact me at tim at theappraisersadvocate.com. I look forward to working with you. I look forward to speaking with you. It'll be a pleasure and a professional honor to do so. Thanks again. I'm Tim Anderson, the Appraiser's Advocate, and we're clear. 